one of the rules that I always had was was really, I don't want to share anything with anybody that hasn't helped me personally. This is the Worship Circle Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Todd Fields, and I want to welcome you to the Worship Circle Podcast. Thanks so much for giving us your time, and we promise to do our best to encourage you, to equip you, to remind you that you're loved and not alone as you listen today. Um, Crazy things going on in the Fields uh, home. We moved to San Francisco in January of this year, 2018, and we've been here for seven months serving in a church called Epic Church. Amazing place where God is on the move. We moved all of our family out here, and it's been a great time. But we've decided um, that God is moving us back to the Atlanta area where we're from. Lots of family, lots of friends, lots of roots there. School stuff going on, connections there. Um, And I'm going to be working full-time to help continue to build this ministry called Worship Circle. And the podcast is a piece of that. Uh, We also have stuff going on on social media to encourage and equip you. Um, But more than anything, we'd love for you to jump in a small group. We've uh, coached over 145 leaders at this point in our four years, and I can't tell you just testimony after testimony of what God has done. Um, He's blessed us as a coaching team, and I know he's encouraged so many leaders that have been through our development program. And if you're thinking... Todd, I got this. Um, I'm leading fine. Uh, There's nothing in that for me. I just want to challenge you. I know that I'm almost 50 years old. I'm 49 right now, but much of my 20s and 30s, I was just blazing a trail as best I knew how. And I had some people speaking into my life, but there really wasn't um, any kind of community like this where I could jump in and get to know leaders from around the country, literally around the world, and hear the type of teaching and get the type of input from just from worship leaders, some of the best in the world that we've gathered for you and our coaching team. You can check out what it's even like. Um, If you've never uh, experienced any small group online, it can be done. (laughs) We gather in person after our six month terms and we have a retreat and it's always just really fun for all of us and all the members who come. If you'd like to try out Worship Circle, if you've been listening to the podcast and you're thinking, okay, I want to check this thing out. I'm finally going to do it. We have a summit coming up August 21, which is next Tuesday from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. It's really just a place where you're going to select one of our coaches, one of our mentors. You can select between Christy Knuckles, Kim Walker-Smith, Meredith Andrews, Paul Balash, Jeremy Riddle, or myself. You'll be in our small group for about an hour and 45 minutes to two hours getting to know leaders just like you and hearing the heart of each coach. And they're going to teach you some great things in that small group. And then after that, we're all going to come together for a great time of just teaching for the entire group. It'll all be recorded. You'll get to keep it forever. And it'll give you a taste of what community is like online with people who are just like you. I promise you, you're going to laugh. You're going to maybe cry. We're not going to try to make you cry. But sometimes just the reality that we all go through the same um, ups and downs as leaders standing on a stage just trying to follow Jesus and sometimes a very public life. Um, but we want you to be known. We want you to be loved. And we 100% care about you and are here for you to walk with you. And you never know what kind of leader you could become from where you are now until you sometimes invite people to look into what you do. It's scary, I know. Um, it was scary for me, but to ask for critique from people, to ask for input, and to just continue to learn and grow is something that great leaders do. They ask for um, coaching, 
And that's what we are. We're a group of coaches who love you guys. But more importantly, we love Jesus and we want you to know him better. So go to worshipcircle.com forward slash summit. If you use coupon code summit10, that's summit10. Right now you get uh, 10% off. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. I hope a bunch of you guys jump in to try it out. And then our next term starts in October. We're going to have some amazing guests, great teaching, a great program for you lined up. And we can't wait for you to jump in and try that out. We love you guys and thank you for listening. Today, our special guest is Pat Barrett. I've known Pat quite a few years. (laughs) We go way back. Um, He was in a band called Unhindered. We're going to talk about that. Um, just love his dad. I've heard his dad uh, teach before, and just he loves Jesus, and he's passed it down to his son, Pat. Pat, for those of you, you all know by now, he wrote the song Good, Good Father and so many other great songs that House Fires has done and that have come out of that movement and just all that God is doing there. But it's my been my joy, really, to sit down with, with Pat and reminisce, remember all that God's done, things that we share together, and then he gives us all just some great insight on keeping the main thing the main thing with family and ministry, and also just some things he thinks about with songwriting that I think are really going to help you if you aspire to be a worship songwriter. Um, he's been hanging out, got a brand new album, with uh, Ed Cash produced it, uh, hanging out with Chris Tomlin. He was on tour with Matt Marr and Kim Walker Smith um, and Chris not too long ago and just has some great funny stories to share from that as well. But we're so glad you're listening, and it's my joy and honor to introduce to you a guy who's made a massive impact on so many people in the Atlanta area, I know, but also now around the world, as God's used the songs that he's writing to literally encourage so many people that they're loved by a Heavenly Father who's always going to be there. So it's my joy to introduce to you my friend, Pat Barrett. Pat Barrett, it is so good to have you, friend, on the Worship Circle podcast. It's been a while, and it's going to be great to catch up. Oh, I can't believe, I mean, I can't believe I made the (laughs) cut, the Todd Fields cut. Here we go. Are you kidding me? (laughs) We go way back, man. I was going to start off with this story because it's etched in my mind, and a lot of people talk about worship leaders being servants, and you were a servant to me before you were a worship leader, because I... I was doing something in North Carolina one time, and you were in this band called Unhindered, and you drove a PA all the way to North Carolina to help me out. So thank you for that, and I just, man, I can't thank you enough (laughs) for the way you served me back in those days. (laughs) I literally, what I remember most about that, because I think we drove through the night to do do it, but I was just so excited that I I could get time with you because... Which this oh, goes even man. further back than that. I want you to hear this because seven twenty-two. I don't know okay. if you're list- if people listening know what that is, but this young adults, yeah, you know, Bible study in Atlanta, seven twenty-two, and high schoolers were not allowed to go to that, um, unless, <laughs> yeah. unless you're me and you snuck in yeah. every single time. You were you were you were one of those bad people. I know. Like every week they're like, "Hey guys, if you're not in college, please don't come here." And I'm like 15. Oh. Dropped off my parents, hide yeah. in the back, like wearing a fake beard just to be a part of it. So, thanks for that. 
<laughs> oh man, you are one of those bad people. You know, Louie and the whole crew. We we love the high school kids, and uh, but you know, every now and then people will get frustrated. But you, wow. I'm glad you came in. Glad you got to be a part of that. Thank you. Well, but man, I, rem- I remember you dr- driving this PA around in. Uh, I, the thing that I, the other thing I remember most is you were way into gospel music. Like oh, you yeah. had the stereo in your truck. And you were just cranking, I mean, the gospel. And I was like, Pat is throwing down (laughs) with some gospel sounds up here in North Carolina. Oh, I mean, it was nonstop. Uh, Kirk Franklin record. I can do every single drum hit on Hosanna, just so you know, still. (laughs) Oh, it's it's in your DNA. Oh, my gosh. And so good grief, Pat. How did you get going? I mean, how did I mean maybe back up before Unhindered and some people don't know who that was or what that was, but what was going on in your life that you wanted to strap on a guitar and and begin this journey? Yeah, I mean, my so my dad is a pastor in Atlanta. So I grew up anyone who kind of grew up in that church music environment, like I actually wonder if this is true for for everyone. For me, it's faith and spirituality and music were weirdly always like um, intertwined in a way that I don't even think I fully understand now, but most certainly didn't understand then. But I, I can just see it kind of along the, the journey. But I, I mean, I, I started playing guitar when I was in fifth grade, but really in high school, um, really felt like that was when I said yes to God for myself for the first time. So Unhindered, you know, the worship band that you mentioned, that was really um, just a group of us. We were 15 years old and didn't know anything, didn't even write songs, yeah. really. But what we, what we did have and what we knew what to do was play music. And really, it's just that whole thing started. And I would even say, looking back as a songwriter and a worship leader, more of just a question like, God, I know I'm young. But I love music and I love you. Yeah. Can you can you use that? Is this usable? And um, right. You know, I think back to like now in my life is a thirty three. I'm thirty three. I I, <laughs> I think I am still like I'm honest about this. I think I'm still benefiting from the things that yeah. God was doing in my life when I was a fifteen year old. I know sometimes we look back on that time and and. You can just like, you know, toss it away or just like, oh, I was young. But then the real stuff started happening. But I don't know. I think there's something in like that seed form that is so important. And I, I can trace back like so many things to being a 15-year-old yeah, um, and just saying yes to yeah. God. Man, I just, you guys influenced so many people. And I remember God used you. And it was crazy because I was around watching you guys and you were getting booked for all kinds of camps and retreats and acquire the fire and all these events. And you were young and you are all just kind of leaning into the Lord and he was using you in a powerful way. So it was fun for me to watch some some guys coming up behind all of us that God was, was using and has continued to use. It's crazy. Um, your dad, what's your dad? Your dad seems like a really big influence on you. Oh, he, he, massive influence. Yeah. I mean, I can't. Yeah. If, if I can think of one, a person who has influenced me the most in. Yeah. I would even say like in indirect ways, like, you know, I think we talk about discipleship and learning and a lot. And you, we think about the very direct ways that we do that, you know, 
the conversations mm-hmm. that you have, the, um, you know, the teaching that you can give somebody like times of being honest and opening your lives up some of the personal things you're struggling with. But I also think there is as much discipleship happens, um, indirectly. Yeah. You just watch how someone, um, you know, you watch how someone deals with a situation that they can't control and do they deal with it with patience and peace and are they respectful of other people do they like i watched my dad i grew up in a church with so many different people um actually a small church but i mean so many different people like so many different denominations represented in one little place like messianic jews catholics charismatic catholics like every little like (laughs) it was such a random mosaic of people and i watched my dad pastor and walk with people who really shouldn't have been able, you know, I put it in quotes, mm-hmm. shouldn't have been able, like a lot of reasons why they didn't have to be in the same building on a Sunday. There are plenty of other places right. that they could have been. I just, I think that's one of those things with my dad that I learned. Like he was all, he was always the most rowdy worshiper in the room. Like <laughs> BYO so shofar. <laughs> yes. I mean, people are like, bro, yeah. Pat, you're a little out there. I'm like, I'm an introvert compared to my dad. <laughs> so unbelievable. Like yeah. I had I just I don't know. I mean, he has that thing. This is something else I learned from my dad. He assumes yeah. that everybody is as free as he is, I think, when he walks into a room. So when he walks <laughs> into a social space, he's just like he does, he's not like, yeah. oh, I think I need to change myself to adjust the space. He comes in yelling and laughing and crying, <laughs> hugging strangers. Like, oh, he's got that, like... I love that. I know, and I, I don't know. I just learned from my dad, like, you don't always have to be concerned with what people think. And yeah. I now, at this point in my life, I'm, I'm kind of realizing that with my kids. Like, wow, what a gift I could give them. Like, I know there's times you, you obviously need to be respectful of other people, but... To yeah. never be like um, owned by the faceless of p- opinions of people that you'll never really meet. That really wasn't That's a part great. of his life, at least yeah. watching it. So I don't know. I think there's there's something in that that I just I could keep going on on and on, but massive influence. You know, a l- yeah, a lot of people, Pat, talk about you know worship culture and. Well, I love uh, what one of our friends, Louis Giglio, says that he says, when you walk in the room, you bring the culture. Mm. And when you're talking about your dad, I'm like, your dad, because <laughs> I've met him before, but like your dad brings the, his culture wherever he goes. And that's just, he, he raises the temperature of the room because he's oh, yeah. just so fired up about God. <laughs> I see that in you too. <laughs> yeah. If you're in the room with my dad, like you, and you don't, you're not comfortable with it, you might as well just leave because it's not changing. <laughs> He's not, yeah. he's not turning down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Turn it down for what? Yeah, that's awesome. So unhindered. And then the next time I kind of, you know, kept in touch and saw what God was doing, I hear about this thing called house fires. What in the world? How did you go from, you know, unhindered to house fires and what was God doing in that season? Yeah, that, that was, you know, in my mind, when I think about that phase of my life, like, during, I guess, the last six years of Unhindered, I was a worship pastor at a church in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And we, you know, with unhindered that group of guys, we led worship together for 15 years. You know, that's a, that's a long time. That's a yeah, long time. Yeah. Um, and it just, we knew we had the sense like something was, something was next. And already you could see, um, you could see like God mm. kind of doing that with everybody individually. So our bass player, JR, he plays with Crowder right now. Um, our drummer, yeah. Christian Pascal, he, he plays with Marin Morris right now. So you could tell like yeah. at that point of our lives up to then it was like, oh, God's kind of doing the same thing with all of us. And then you could, you could mm-hmm. really tell like, wow, it's time for people to step into their individual thing. And so, I mean, for me, yeah. it, it really wasn't like, oh, now I, now I, I need to start something else. Like that's not, that is not what I was thinking. Right. Um, <laughs> it wasn't I, planned. Yeah. No. No, it was an accident. And but what yeah. but what I've always felt like being a worship pastor at the church, songwriting's always been a part of my own personal mm-hmm. expression to God and I think it it's not only helped helped me connect with God and stay open, but it's I think it's also helped me be really honest with myself about some of the things that I feel and um mm-hmm it's always just been really important. And our church kind of had that culture too, always writing songs and, and really house fires was a way to share some of the songs that were really meaningful in our community at our church mm-hmm. in Atlanta and to yeah. share it in a way that was kind of just true to our, the DNA of that community. So we had our Sunday, you know, our Sunday worship times, but we also had house churches that meet throughout the week and, yeah. House church worship, you know, there's just different values. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> you're not yeah. concerned about a transition between a song and if you are it's going to be so weird because no one cares. Yeah. Literally no yeah. one cares like you the whole point of refreshing. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, like some of those times are just so rough and spontaneous and um, you're not yeah. concerned. You're not even worried about how you sound, like because literally no one cares. Um, and there was there's That's a so spi- there's a spirit to that that had brought so much yeah. health and life to us as a church. So it was like, well, why don't we just record some of our songs in that spirit and just see if it helps <laughs> other people? I mean, that's why literally the crowd mics are way too hot. Like nine minute songs, I can't even listen through all of them. Like I get it. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> but I think I think there's it feels to me, and I can you know mm-hmm. if to me it has the texture of real life, and what I mean by that is like my yeah my life doesn't happen in three and a half minute perfect segments with perfect segues into another song yeah. with a photoshopped you know like really it's messy it's not perfect there's things that I want to say and then there's there's unknown things that happen all the time. And, and I think there's, right. if life feels like that, I think it's really important that at least some of our worship does as well. And it yeah. continually reminds me, I guess just, it reminds me that, mm-hmm. um, that there are, there are, there are things that are really important. The, Worship for me and my family, like I want it, I want it to feel like real life. And I think that's really important. Yeah. That's so good, Pat. Tell me this, because, you know, people, 
know this about you, but Good Good Father came out a, a season maybe on the heels of that. But what's the story behind that song? Because everybody in the world singing it, and I know you know everyone from radio stations to whomever is asking this question. But just for the leaders that know, I know Chris shared some of the insight behind that tune and just how you know Lauren brought it to him. And but just from your angle, what was God doing? And I'd love just to hear the story from your perspective yeah, about how that I mean, came to be. So I co-wrote that with Tony Brown and yeah. um, for me, for me personally in that time, like I had just become a dad myself. Yeah. So I had a, I think Harper Gray, that's my, my oldest of three kids, my oldest Harper Gray. She was, I think, she, <laughs> I think she was like probably two and a half, maybe three at that point. Old enough to ask questions, yeah. old enough for me to, you know, start start wondering like, okay, I, I've never had to introduce one of my kids to God or how do you start doing this in a way that I want to give her as, right. as little to unlearn as possible later on in life. <laughs> and, yeah. and I just remember, I just remember feeling that. And also um, on, on the personal side of it, for me, I was going through a bit of a faith crisis and or confusion mm -hmm. maybe is a better word than crisis because um i'm again i'm leading worship every weekend and yeah in a different denomination of the church every weekend around amazing really powerful eloquent charismatic anointed you know inspiring yeah. teachers and and I was started to realize like it was making me more confused <laughs> because at the, I was asking the question to myself, like, okay, I'm going to talk to my daughter about what is God like? And everyone had a slightly mm -hmm. different answer or perspective or, and that's just inside the church. I mean, gotcha. you know what I mean? And then, you yeah. know, yeah. everyone outside the church has their own opinion as well. So I'm, I'm trying to think like, <laughs> yeah. where do you even start with all this? So it really was like, yeah, I was not really in a good place. It was one of those like dark night of the soul yeah. times. So that line, I've heard a sure. thousand stories of what they think you're like, was literally mm -hmm. thinking through. Okay, what? That's cool. I mean, it was yeah. it was straight out of my real life. And then, um, of but when course. you when you <laughs> read right when you read the scriptures though, we and again like it was a lot of talking to God, but a lot of reading through the gospels and Jesus seemed to always yeah. reorient people to um, the father word and it got him in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. No one liked it then. A lot of people still don't like it because it's, mm -hmm. it's such an experiential word and yeah, meaning you, you know, you have your own relationship or lack of relationship with your dad. And when we use the word father, actually, we usually put like an adjective in front of it. So it's like yeah. patient father, you know, absent father, kind father, yeah. funny, my, you know, we, we use a descriptor for it all the time. So you, right. Um, and so to, to be able to read the words of Jesus and say, okay, then if this is where we start, like God's like a good father. Yeah. He knows what you need. If even a bad father yeah. can give good gifts to his children, how much more can 
I mean, you're reading through all these like father analogies that he uses. It was really one of those things that felt like I finally landed in my soul. Yeah. And yeah. And I um, and really when it was done, I just those verses were written in tears in my house. And when I sang, yeah. it, I sang it the very next Sunday at the church, and it the feeling that I had when I sang it, other people were having as well. And right. what was so powerful about it is um, people who had different experiences with their like earthly dads, like Tony Brown, yeah. the other co-writer has never met his dad. Oh, wow. On his birth certificate where, That's it, says, amazing. where it says father, that is, there's a blank there. And unbelievable. His story is really different <laughs> than mine. I mean, I know when you hear that, you're like, okay, this is, there are certain yeah. things that are true for everyone. And hearing that God is a good father, regardless of yeah. your own experience, is a healing um, reality. Yeah. And so we yeah. start experiencing that in our church. And then, and then it just, people, mm. I guess people kept sharing it. It was only a YouTube video. And a nine-minute recording of the yeah. song, or whatever, eight and a half minutes. So, yeah. And then, <laughs> I mean, it really—that's all it was. No intention of like, oh, we need some songs to go on a record, and it wasn't that at all. It was just, how do we talk about the yeah. things that are most true, and, um, and what happens when we start to believe the things that are most true? And for me, I was being healed of things I didn't even know I needed to be healed from just singing wow. that song and that it ever left our community the way it did and has been able, I mean, that Chris would, you know, carry that and be able to reach even, you know, yeah. further into the church. It's just been such a humbling um, thing because you just never know who's on the other side of the songs that you're writing that need to know that there's something really important that can yeah. set you free. Like you just never know that. Well, from Pat, from all the leaders listening, and I know so many people just around the world, thank you guys for being just conduits of what God wanted to say through you. And the thing you just said, the two things that stick out in my mind are one, you were, you were writing those verses specifically from a place of just being raw and as real as you could be. Um, and I've noticed that about your writing, even on your new self-titled project, you, I love the fact that in a world of everyone, you know, who's trying to write worship music starts at a place of, Hey, I want this to sound like worship music. And, <laughs> it, it, you know, the phrases that everyone uses, um, the whole, that whole thing, you know, it's like we start sometimes from what we think it's supposed to be. And one of the things that I love about like even the song Into Faith I Go, like the first words of that song and, and uh, the verses again are just you being honest. And I, I think that is so needed in in the worship landscape today um, because it's a really, there's lots of things saying the same thing. But when you, I love what Redmond always said. He's like, like there's always a different facet of the diamond we can look at and describe, you know? <laughs> and, mm. Oh God, and, uh, so true, to yeah. Be, to be able to look at God and, and say, Lord, this is, I want to say this about you. And it's, it's fresh because it's fr coming from directly from your authentic self. So man, just on behalf of all of us leading this song, thank you. And um, thank you for just being real about it. 
That means so much, man. I'm uh, one of the, yeah, one of the rules that for me that I've, with writing is I I don't even like, and I'm I'm saying this to you because there are over 50 songs that I wrote for the record, (laughs) but one of the rules yeah. that I always had was was really, I don't want to share anything with anybody that hasn't helped me mm-hmm. personally, and wow, and I don't. It's not that I that I. It's not that it that it's always bad when you do that. So it's not a good or bad thing. It's just for me. I, I started to realize um, mm-hmm. how at how at the mercy of the moment I am when I'm writing. So if I'm actually, yeah. for better or worse, if I'm scared of change, I'm literally going to write that and to yeah. help me through it. And then whether I share it with anybody later is like secondary. There are plenty of songs that I wrote yeah. for the record that were personal to me that no one will probably hear, maybe not make a record, yeah. which is fine because for anyone, I mean, anyone who's a writer and you're, you're trying to figure out what you really feel and, and what and and also open a doorway to your own heart that God can meet you in that place. If it actually connects with mm. you, chances are mm. it's going to connect with somebody else. And yeah. and if that's true, it makes you excited to share about things you have personal like experience with. Like you, mm-hmm. hey, listen to this. I was I was really I had a hard time sleeping. Like my mind was spinning. I lost so many nights of sleep. I, I started to sing this song and it helped me. I hope it helps you. If not, it's totally cool. There's no pressure, but yeah. it just, it was helpful for me. And you just kind of hold it there like that. That way you don't need a song to do anything wow. for you. It can be a gift to somebody and you don't ride or die on whether they, you know, whether it does the same thing for them as it did for you or whether they share it with their friends or whether it climbs a chart or whether you like you, you don't even ask those questions. You just offer wow, it. Wow, yeah. Man, that could be one of the best words of advice I've ever heard just for us as songwriters and people wanting to help people with music. And, um, you know, is it helping me? That's killer. What a great filter. I'm going to throw away everything I've written and <laughs> start again. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's true though. The songs that stay, the songs that you go back to, that you're proud of, that they they came from that place. They came from I'm I'm leaning in and I'm writing from a place of just transparency. God help me. And if you know, it's not the motivation. It isn't. Can this help you? It's it's. it's I got to sing this now. Just coming from where I am, really like David did in the Psalms. You know, yes. I wonder if oh, when yeah. he was out in the. If out tending the sheep, he was, he was coming up with songs saying they're going to read this in eighteen hundred yes. years from now. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, I mean he didn't care. He was just pouring out his heart to God. You know. Well, that and for me, I think what's always been like so helpful for me, especially, um, I, I think they're probably a turning point for me with in writing and and um. It probably happened about five years ago when I started to really start paying attention to the things that moved me. And yeah, what I mean by that is like it could be it could have been anything. It could have been a song. I just write it in my notes like this moved this. I heard this song, but it felt like more than a song. And I and so then I just go mm-hmm. back and ask why. A, a scene in a movie, a whatever it was, but I started to like I started to become acquainted yeah. with that feeling where you're like I just sang a line. 
but it felt like more yeah. than a line. So, yeah. I mean, and I can use that. So many of the songs that recently that I've been most excited to share about only started with a line that I didn't know why I felt what I felt, but I did. And so I just kept singing it yeah. over and over and over again until it, till I could like go on a, I guess, a, to explore it a little more. So like a song on the record called sales, the first line was falling is easy. Staying in love is hard. And I'd, yeah. and, I, and I sang that line <laughs> and it felt true of my relationship with Meg. It felt true of yeah. my friendships. I'm thinking over the years of friendships that have come and gone and, you know, it mm. felt true of my relationship with God. And so, so some of those things that I just, I didn't even know how to articulate. I just know when I sang that something happened inside me and I really, yeah. I would just pay attention to that. Like that, that for me is kind of one of those, all, like, it reminds me that, that um, sometimes words are far more than just words yeah. and can hit something deeper. They, yeah. That's a great point. One thing that I've noticed, and you'd probably agree with this, is sometimes, especially as worship leaders, we can be handed a song or somebody can say, have you heard this song? And we can listen to it and maybe be moved a little bit by it, but there's something that happens when you get your instrument out and sing the song and sing the lines that's transcendent. And all of a sudden you're like, this bridge, yeah. this chorus is amazing, but it's not like it didn't move. It didn't move me like, you know, Michael Jackson tune when I was listening to my car. Right. Right. But it's got something, it's got something on it. That's transcendent that I have to speak into the air, into the, like into the atmosphere and the truth of that combines with these, you know, these lyrics, and all of a sudden, it's like this. This is powerful. So I'm just thinking about that for leaders as we're talking. Like, don't if somebody gives you a song and says, "Check this out." Sometimes you got to sing it oh. to know, like, what 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 impact it's going to have on the atmosphere when you lead it in a room with people. But that also, when you say that, this is what I think about. So much of the Psalms for me, um, yeah. I think that's a way. Like you, you can. For me, that's how I approach the scriptures too. Like when you read, everyone likes to pretend they're so inspired when they read the Psalms. Have you read them all? Mm -hmm. They are not like, yeah. it's not exactly like a thrilling read all the way through. Like, it's, right. But when you read like the little subtitle under it, it always says set to music to the tune of, because you were never supposed yeah. to read them. You're supposed to sing them. It shouldn't even, some things mm -hmm. don't even make sense unless you sing them. And yeah. I think that always like, that makes me excited because that there's, which it means that there's an ability for us um, to not just say something that's true, but to sing it in a way that, um, that is unique to us. The thing that God has given us, the, mm -hmm. the diamond thing that you talked about. It's like why, man, it's why I'm, I need, my kids need to hear your songs. They need to hear the way mm -hmm. you sing that line from the life that you have mm -hmm. with it. Like you can just say God is faithful, but when you hear it from like an Auschwitz mm -hmm. survivor, it's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It sounds different. Absolutely. It different like that. So I think there's like, there's a piece of that unique identity that we miss if we don't share it with people, but it always, that, that side of it always in, intrigues me and it's why I love I mean it's why I love hearing new songs it's why when two people lead the same song it still sounds different wow and I love that I just love that 
Absolutely. Man, it's honesty, authenticity, and the truth. And one quick thought, Christy Knuckles has said this, and I firmly believe it. When you as a worship leader truly understand who you are in Christ, whose you are, she said, Todd, I've heard people's vocals change. Mm. And it's like the stuff you're talking about is like when we get down to being real and authentic and gut level honest with our offering and with our story and with our writing, it's it changes everything. And I think for so many of us, we, we've grown up seeing everybody else's story that's maybe not our own that, man, when you cross the, the bridge and can make it your own and it's coming from that place of real for you, it does impact it, people in a different way. Oh, yeah. God, that's good. <laughs> hey, you're talking, you've mentioned uh, Meg and the kids. How is family? I mean, you know, for all of us, it changes our world. But uh, how specifically oh, yeah. for you, any mem- <clears throat> any memories or things that come along in the journey so far with Meg that have really been something you'd pass on to leaders? Yeah, I mean, I, well, first off, I'm only doing a solo record because Meg told me I should. <laughs> so, Way to go, Meg. So, thank you. We all thank you. Yeah. And what I think for me, though, I was going through a time where I felt I knew something was going to be next. There was like a next step, but I felt stuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt cloudy like when I looked forward. And I, so I just asked Meg, I was like, babe, you've seen me at my best and worst. Um, yeah. You know what? you've seen me when I feel like I'm most like tapping into what I'm supposed to do. What, what would you tell me to do next? And she's really the one that, that brought it up. And I, it was a constant reminder to me that, um, we need each other. Like, yeah, like I'm, I needed her to speak the encouragement into my life that really, Mm-hmm. It ended up like forking the road for me in a, in a really beautiful way. And I, I mean, my kids kind of do that too. I, they've, my kids have helped me understand why I do things more than anybody, which is so funny. But like, I'll give you an example. <laughs> my middle son, Crew, um, he's four, but this would have been, oh, he, this would have been, he was probably two and a half or something. I had just come home from um, going, uh, I used to travel a lot more, but. Um, mm-hmm. I, I got, I got home from traveling and I was tucking crew into bed and he goes, he looked at me and he just goes, daddy, why did you leave? And he was sad that I left. And for whatever reason, oh. like, like normally I could just give him, <laughs> you just give him this, well, daddy's got to go tell people about Jesus. And you just leave it there or whatever, for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, I actually asked myself the question that he asked me. And I was like, why did I yeah. actually go on this particular thing? And I told him, I was like, well, buddy, uh, daddy, um, I think daddy's kind of insecure that if he doesn't travel, he's not actually moving forward in his life. And daddy really needs, oh, the, appro- and daddy really needs the approval of other people. And, that's not good, good. grief. So, and he kind of looked oh. at me and was basically like, uh, do dolphins have ears? Like he would just say, like, it's a kid. Like he doesn't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like, yeah. But for me, it actually was so crazy. My kids have helped me answer some of the things I couldn't answer on my own. 
why did you leave? Well, I want mm-hmm. because I want to travel. Yeah, but mm-hmm. why did but why did you do that? Did you have to oh, do that? Wow. Did you? So yeah. I don't know. It's really helped me. Like, and we joke about it. Kids ask why, why all the time. I ask myself that question all of the time now. Why did I just do that? Why did I just get, why did I just, um, that's a great question. Yeah. Why did my blood pressure go up when I saw that person's comment? Why did I, um, Mm. why did I feel like a complete failure when that set didn't go as I thought it should go or people didn't respond the way I think they should respond? Why did I do that? Mm -hmm. Am I that like, yeah, self-centered that I can't be comfortable with what God's doing in their life, and I need the affirmation. Like, why do I need that? Like, I so I don't. It's so yeah. crazy. My kids have helped me ask like the very simple questions that like cut down to the to the why of everything. It's so funny. I, I took that Ooh, real deep, and it really like, is like <laughs> I feel that. No, but they're like a they're they're like a mirror, you know. Oh. I mean, just right up to your face of reality. Oh yeah. Pat, how many voice memos do you have on your phone with your kids playing or screaming in the background? <laughs> Every single one. I don't think I have a voice memo without someone crying. <laughs> I can remember you. I, I, when my kids were that age, I always remember. I'm like, please be quiet. I'm in here trying to. I'm trying to focus, and you guys are in there just going crazy, you know. And yeah, I, I wish I could. I need to fumble back through all of them and just remember those days because they were hilarious. Oh, at this point, I don't even hear the screams anymore. I'll t- I'll turn it you in. Just people, keep going. Like, yeah, I just I have to. <laughs> it's the only way I can get the voice memo, so I just need it. Are you so like the record companies are like? Are you writing from a zoo? What's going on oh, back in there? When yeah. I turned, oh, this is so funny. When I turned in the songs for this record for us to start coming through, they were like almost all voice memos. So yeah, you had to really fight for it. <laughs> you had to fight. You had to be for louder it. than the kids. Yeah, man. One of the things I love about you is your sense of humor, and lately you've been. Pe- posting just hilarious videos on your Instagram account. For those of you who don't follow Pat, you need to. But they're they're hilarious because they give like word pictures to the reality of how we all have these fears and mistakes and we botch things from time to time. But um that's thank you for doing that. You're helping so many of us yeah. laugh at ourselves. Yeah, y'all need to pray for my wife. She has to live with that stuff all the time. <laughs> She's like Pat. Come on, man. Like easy, easy. What's Pat. your what? What's your okay? So what's your most embarrassing? We ask our worship circle members this, but what's your most embarrassing oh, like man. stage moment? Yeah, I mean, I haven't. Ever, or are like, there too many to count? My list is so long. I've I've hit more <laughs> wrong notes when playing in so many wrong keys, voice cracking so many times. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I can't even count. <laughs> like, like, I actually, I'm fortunate to have not have something like so disastrous that you know I didn't get like hurt yeah. or something. But I mean, yeah, I I can't think of one set where I'm just like, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I'm, I'm too acquainted oh, with man. it. Oh man, you got so many that there's not even one that stands out, right? Well, God, I mean, recently. <laughs> okay, so I'm an extrovert, right? And I I can't in case you didn't know. Um and <laughs> and sometimes I just say things. I'm like, am I talking right now? I just say things. So um <laughs> recently on a tour with with uh 
on the Worship Night in America tour with with Chris Tomlin and Kim Walker and all these. I I started singing just to be funny when we were in West Virginia. I started um, singing. Uh, um, I started singing a song just to be funny, and it was a song that Chris was gonna do, but I sniped it from oh. him. <laughs> No way. And Did you know he was going to do it beforehand? No, of course not. I wouldn't have done it. Oh. <laughs> that's a, that's no an unfortunate way. thing to find out when you walk off down the stairs. So so I just, oh. you know, just put it on my tab. That feeling oh, is just far too familiar. Like you can, you can steal songs from people. Just don't, don't steal them from Chris. Oh, <laughs> uh, Absolutely. <laughs> So Chris. funny. I mean, he was great about it. He laughed about it, but it was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Any other any any other from that tour that stand out that happened to anyone? Well, I know you guys were on the road for a bit. Yeah, we were on the road for a bit. I mean, I did find myself. I didn't even know these existed, but there's like. So I grew up. I grew up in a pretty expressive church, like shofars and flags and all of it so so I, I, there was one there's one night where i saw this woman in the middle of the room and she had this like it was amazing it was like this fan with this like five or six foot flag that would would like flow from the fan and all of a sudden it was like i was out of my body i blacked out and then i woke up and the fan is in my hand and i'm running just uh, uh. Chris and Kim and Torn are literally like, what in the world is happening right now? And um, I am wait, loving it. <laughs> did you go get it from her? Yes. Apparently, I ran down there. I said, <laughs> I said, give me that flag. <laughs> she gave it to me. And you're like, are you, are you bring, did you pull it on stage and you were yes! running around with it? Yes. And there's like a long <laughs> runway on that stage. So I'm just like. Just completely, I'm like a child. I'm like a six-year-old child <laughs> oh, with God. this huge fan. I'm ribbon dancing. It's unfortunate. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's unfortunate. How, how could they even sing at that point? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to talk. I mean, I would have just been on the floor. Well, by the end of it, it was like everything started to escalate just so quickly, unfortunately for yeah. me. It just kept getting worse and worse. Do you know Tim Gibson? You know Tim Gibson? Yes. Remember T- Tim? Tim plays bass for. He played on this last third day tour and used to play at seven twenty two. I've got to throw this in because I don't know if you've heard this story, but for every leader listening, you have to. Big stuff camp, Panama City. Have you heard the story with Tim? I haven't. I haven't. Okay, so he, Tim was like the band director, and he had a headset mic on. <laughs> And, um, you know, all the bands down there, I think Davis Harwell was playing keys. He used to be in Christian Stanfield's band. So they're all coming out. Kids come in the morning session. They're semi-asleep but waking up. And their job as the band is just to wake everybody up. And they've got these guys running on stage with T-shirt cannons. And all of a sudden, they're like shooting shirts all around the room. And all all of a sudden, this guy shoots a shirt and hits the sprinkler head in the middle of the room. Over all these students in literally Tim's black water that had been stored in the ceiling for like years comes flooding and pouring down on top of all these campers. And Tim's got his like headset mic. He falls on the floor and he's like, he can't breathe. He's laughing so hard. 
and you see in the mic, the whole band can hear me. He's going, I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs. Dude, that is the best. They had a, they had a call in like a, they had a call in like a water cleanup company for the whole camp, you know? But, uh, see, God, no one, so good to have. no one remembers sets that go well. How boring is that? Where you're like, Hey, how was tonight? Oh, it was great. <laughs> It's like, bro, if you didn't grab some stranger's flag and knock out the top of that sprinkler yeah. head, like, don't talk to me. Yeah, it, it, it's cool, man. God allows those things to happen, and they create indelible memories in us all. Well, if anyone would be carrying a banner or blowing a shofar, shofar it would be you, Pat. So, Thank you. That's an honor. That's, that's the biggest awesome. compliment I've ever and received. You said, you, your dad's an introvert. You're the extrovert. It's a balanced equation. That's so good. <laughs> you you went the other way. That's good. oh my gosh. Well, man, love the new project. Just tell everybody um, real quick about in, uh, about your self titled project, and you know what was the recording process like? Who who's producing that? Ed Cash produced that. Um, and good old Ed, he's so good. Oh, guy, he's so good. And I, you know, I didn't really. I'd met him before going into going in to record it, but we had we started to do some writing and. Um, when I first yeah. started thinking about doing the record, Ed just popped into my mind. It was, yeah. so to be able to actually do that with him was amazing, but I've, we had so much fun. I laughed so hard and also like, <laughs> um, what I felt through the whole thing, um, really was a sense of anything can happen at any time. So, yeah. That was really um, that was really special because I, I mean, if you hear some of the songs on the record, there's like half of them have these outros that some a few of them are kind of random. Some are just like spontaneous endings because we just kept playing and mm-hmm. kept worshiping. Like it felt like there weren't any rules in like the best way. Yeah. And yeah. I really went into that whole process like not knowing. Like I haven't done a studio record in gosh, like mm-hmm. seven, eight years. Like it's all been live projects. So even for me, I was like, how's this going to work? Yeah. How's this going to, how is this going to play out and serve the songs the best way? But I mean, every, every step of the way just felt like the freedom mm-hmm. to, um, the, the freedom to explore a little bit and also uh, not put out something that you, didn't just love and it really yeah. was just a few months of the best time making music mm. I think I've ever had and the conversations the it was a unique time in life as well because you feel like you're starting a new thing I mean that's one of the things I kept asking, yeah. asking myself I'm like I'm 33 I'm starting a new thing like I should be doing mm-hmm. this at 23 or whatever like you you ask all those questions <laughs> along the way but it really did feel like I was mm-hmm. um I mean, kind of throwback. It felt like I was 18 again. It felt like, yeah. Um, I, we kept using this phrase in our house. It just, it felt like faith again. And it's not like the other things didn't feel like faith, but for some reason I was yeah. scared. I was scared in the best way. The type of scared that's, that's like, a good place to be. Yeah. I'm scared because I care about it and I'm, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. And I have butterflies again. And, and I just love that feeling uh, that it reminds me that, everything's not just written out and we're not just mechanical. We can, 
we can partner with things and have faith and mystery and go for it anyway. So that's really, it was just such a special time. And that it's finally out is crazy. (laughs) Crazy. Well, we want to thank Meg for prompting you and pushing you toward it and for you to dive in and just going on on a journey and mystery of writing the songs and just being still with the Lord and hanging out with some people that could help with it. We're all better off for it. So thanks so much for doing it. And, um, Pat, just for your life, it's crazy that we're talking today and so many memories and God's used you in so many people's lives. And you're just an encouragement to so many leaders today. I know with all the things you've shared and God's going to continue to use you, um, in the days ahead. So just thank you for jumping in with us. I'd love for you just to pray for the leaders. We always like to have our guests pray us out, anyone listening, because we're all coming from different places. Some of us are doing great. Some of us are just in valleys right now and need some encouragement. But yeah, could you pray us out? I'd love to do that. Um, Father, thank you for the, for the place that you have. Every, every single person that is on the other side of this podcast right now, thank you for the work that you're doing in their lives right now. Um, regardless of the age for people who are young that are looking, you know, you're not even out of high school yet that for that person, I just want to speak prophetically over you that what God's doing right now in your life is really Mm -hmm. significant and important. And for people Mm -hmm. who are further down the road and feel like they're hitting new beginnings again, the way I've felt that to be reminded that God was faithful then and he'll be faithful now. Lord, I just pray that there would be a, um, a increased and even miraculous sensitivity to your moving in our lives and that the creativity and the art and the expression that we share with the world would come from a place of, of being highly aware that of, of the places in our own lives that, that we're meeting you. And I, I pray for songs in the night. I just, there's a line in Job, God who gives songs in the night. I pray for songs in the night. The people who are right now, it just feels like it's midnight and there's not, mm-hmm. you feel like a measure of hopelessness and disparity and all, if that's mm-hmm. real, I pray for the songs that happen from, that can only happen from those places and the, and the encouragement that that can bring other people who are walking through that same thing. And Lord, in all of it, that you would just be so clearly seen and you're moving so evident um, as we walk through it all together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening today, and we want you to remember that as you lead, we stand with you. There are thousands in the kingdom united with you to bring the message of hope in Christ as you lead week after week. We'll see you next time.